You're now listening to the Fantasy Filler Podcast. Where we put you in the driver's seat every week, all year long. In the NASCAR racing world, from top news stories, latest results, and best fantasy lineups, we'll have you up to speed and out in front before the drop of the green flag. So let's dive in with our host, Vanilla Wafers. NASCAR racing is back in action for the first time in the 2023 season as we just started off at Los Angeles for the LA Clash. This is the second time we have returned to the quarter mile racetrack and let me tell you a lot of exciting things happened in the heat race, the last chance qualifiers, and of course the main event. In today's episode we're going to talk about the final results as well as the biggest takeaways. All that is going to be coming on today's episode here for the Fantasy Filler Podcast. I hope you guys are doing well. I am actually really excited to talk about this expedition race as there was a little bit of mixed emotions from everybody. I was really surprised by that. One thing's for certain, I wish I was at that event. I I was able to go to it last year to the inaugural one, and don't get me wrong, that was a lot of fun. The interactions that I was able to have with the fans as well as the interactions with the drivers and having just basically access to almost everything except the cars themselves was a lot of fun and something that I highly recommend to any NASCAR fan. The only problem was... There was a part shortage during that time, and nobody really wanted to damage all their equipment, so they were kind of conservative. That did not happen this year. Oh man, it was absolute craziness, and something I wish I was there because, I'm telling you, watching it on TV, man, it is way more lackluster than being at the event live. Of course, that's what it's like for every NASCAR event, but definitely for the LA Clash. So without further ado, let's dive into it. For the first time here in the 2023 season, let's look at the final results and biggest takeaways for the Bushlight LA Clash. Alright, so before we dive into the main event final results, why don't we look at the heat races real quick, cover on those as well as the last chance qualifier, as well as look at a few statistics from this race. In the first heat race, the five drivers that were able to advance on into the main event were Eric Amarola in the number 10, the number 48 of Alex Bowman, the number 31 of Justin Haley, the rookie, the number 42 of Noah Gregson, and the number 22 of Joey Logano. In the second heat race, he had Martin Trex Jr. in the 19, the number 8 of Kyle Busch, the number 3 of Austin Dillon, the number 5 of Kyle Larson, and the number 4 of Kevin Harvick. They were able to advance from the second heat race. In heat race number 3, you have Denny Hamlin in the number 11, Chase Briscoe in the number 14, Tyler Reddick in the number 45, Ryan Blaney in the number 12, and the number 99 of Daniel Suarez. They were able to advance from heat race number 3. And then for the final heat race, we had William Byron in the number 24, Bubba Wallace in the 23, Ross Chastain in the number one, Ryan Priest in the 41, and the number 43 of Eric Jones. All these drivers were able to advance on through from their heat races. The other drivers had to go into the last chance qualifier. Only the top three were able to advance from each last chance qualifier. Those three drivers from the first race was Michael McDowell in the 34, 
Christopher Bell in the number 20, and the number 38 of Todd Gillen. And the second last chance qualifier, it was the number 9 of Chase Elliott. Believe it or not, he did not qualify in from the heat races. The number 54 of Ty Gibbs, and the number 16 of AJ Allmendinger. The last driver to make it in was thanks to the points provisional, and that was given to the number 2 of Austin Sindrick. He did not make it in in either of his races, but thank goodness he was the highest finisher in points because he was able to compete in this expedition race. The drivers who were not able to compete in this event was the number 21 of Harrison Burton, the number 47 of Ricky Stenhouse Jr., the number 6 of Brad Keselowski, the number 7 of Corey LaJoy, the number 77 of Ty Dillon, the number 51 of Cody Ware, number 17 of Chris Buescher, number 78 of BJ McLeod, and the number 15 of JJ Yaley. Those were the 9 drivers who had to go home early in this race. We had a total of 16 cautions, none of them counted towards the lapse in the main event, which made it drag on for a little bit. But in the end, it was still an action-packed race as we were able to have five lead changes here in this main event. The winner of this race was able to lead 25 laps and also collect a victory in one of the heat races. He was one of the fastest drivers in practice, and he's going to start off the 2023 season on a high note. The winner of this race, the number 19 of Martin Trex Jr., his first victory in more than a year. He is able to win the second ever LA Clash here at the LA Coliseum. Finishing second, we had the number three of Austin Dillon. Third place was the number eight of Kyle Busch. Fourth place, the number 48 of Alex Bowman. Fifth place, the number five of Kyle Larson. In the sixth spot, you have the number 45 of Tyler Reddick. Seventh, the number 41 of Ryan Priest. Eighth, the number one of Ross Chastain. Ninth, the number 11 of Denny Hamlin. Tenth, the number 24 of William Byron. Eleventh, the number 31 of Justin Haley. Twelfth, the number four of Kevin Harvick. Thirteenth, the number 20 of Christopher Bell. Fourteenth, the highest finishing rookie, the number 42 of Noah Gregson. Fifteenth, you have the number 14 of Chase Briscoe. In the 16th position, you have the number 22 of Joey Logano. 17th, the number 12 of Ryan Blaney. 18th, the number 10 of Eric Amarola. 19th, the number 99 of Daniel Suarez. And right now, the top 20, you have the number 16 of AJ Allmendinger. Finishing 21st, you have the number 9 of Chase Elliott. 22nd, the number 23 of Bubba Wallace. 23rd, you have the number 38 of Todd Gilliland. 24th, the number 34 of Michael McDowell. In the 25th spot, you have the number 2 of Austin Sindrick. And then these are some drivers who were not able to finish the race due to suspension issues. You got the number 54 of Ty Gibbs out by lap 81, and then Eric Jones out early in this race. In fact, lap number 16, he was out of it, and he will be credited with the 27th position here in this race. And that is your final results here for the Bushlight LA Clash. So if you are new to the podcast, first thank you so much for tuning in. I always appreciate new listeners coming in. It's always really exciting just to share NASCAR with anybody. Uh, But if you were here last year, what we used to do was just go over the final results of each race and just basically grab the biggest takeaways just randomly. I, I would just go all over the place on just what first popped into my mind in the race. I think for this year, we're going to start off with the good, then go with the bad, and then look at the ugly. Because honestly, every single race I've seen so far has had a good, bad, and ugly, especially for the 2022 season. And I feel like 2023 is going to be about the same. Let's look at the good. Let's look at the top performers here. First one being Martin Trex Jr. Now, last year, I wouldn't say it was a bad year, but he was not able to collect a victory, which cost him an opportunity to run in the playoffs. Before that, one of his best performing racetracks was short tracks, and to see him be able to come back to a really short track and be as dominant as he was was just absolutely just a great breath of fresh air. I I always like it when you when we get Martin Trex Jr. 
competing near the front. He is one of the most favorited drivers on the racetrack. Favorited. I, I don't know if that's a word, but I'm going to be going with it. And especially after this offseason, I mean, him and his wife of, God, I don't even know how many years. It's almost been like 20 years since they've been together. They unfortunately split up during the offseason. And many people had a lot of concerns on how Martin Trex Jr., was going to perform this year. This could potentially be his last year, some people even thought. But for him to come in and win the first expedition race and in dominating fashion, I mean, yes, he only led 25 laps, but he was the strongest performing car from the beginning of the weekend to the end. The right person won. That is really, really good news for any of the 19 fans because Martin Trex Jr., it seems like nothing is missing on his end. He was able to get this victory, and he started off the 2023 season on a good note. Another driver who did really good, and I don't think many people were really prepared for this, how about the number 41 of Ryan Priest? If you guys have been keeping track with the offseason, we heard that Stuart Haas Racing was replacing the driver of the 41 car. It was Cole Custer. He has moved down to the Xfinity Series. And they're having their reserve driver, Ryan Priest, take over for full-time in this number 41 car. And based on this first race, it's already a great move. Now, the 41 car did good last year. I do believe he uh, Cole Custer finished in the top 10 in that LA clash as well. But he wasn't leading laps, unlike Ryan Priest, who moved his way up to the front, led 43 laps, and looked like was going to be the guy to beat until he suffered electrical issues in the middle of the race. But then all of a sudden, the electrical issues went away, and he started running well again. It, w- it was very weird to see that happen. You still see that there's mechanical and electrical problems here with this next-gen car. We are hoping to get past that after the first year, but obviously it's still here. However, at least it didn't destroy his weekend in a hole because he was still able to finish 7th. Now, for people who don't know who Ryan Priest is, this is not really much of a shock. When it comes to short tracks, this is what he was born and raised doing. I mean, he was in the Modified Series a few years back, actually quite a few years back at this point, and was just dominating all the short tracks. So for him to come to a quarter-mile track... It's like his backyard. He he knows these tracks so well, and you really saw, saw it here in this race. And I feel like you're going to see other short tracks, maybe potentially like Martinsville, New Hampshire, where you're going to see that 41 car just do really, really good this season. And the 41 team does not need to be championship contenders this year. They just need to be playoff contenders. That will be a huge step in the right direction. And what Ryan Priest showed in this race gives us good signs on what's to come for this number 41 car. I don't think it's going to be at all the races, but I'm pretty sure tracks that are concrete or short tracks, that 41 car is going to be running really well. Now, Ryan Priest wasn't the only Stuart Haas racing car that had a good run here in this expedition race. The number 10 of Eric Amarola had a great heat race and he led the first 16 laps of this race. Unfortunately, things fell apart really quickly because the way the racetrack ran, once you were stuck on the outside uh, early parts in the race, you just went all the way back. And unfortunately, that's what happened to Eric Amarola. He was able to win a heat race. A lot of people were surprised by that because he missed the main event last year. Now he was able to make it in with a victory, start in the pole position. Big difference. 
but unfortunately the finish was near the back. Still give a shout out to him just for the simple fact that it's a step in the right direction. Stuart Haas Racing has been known as the team that has been struggling the last couple of years. So not to have just one, but two cars run good in this race at one point in time during the main event. That's always a really good sign. The strongest cars, hands down, were the Toyotas. You definitely saw people like Bubba Wallace, Martin Trex Jr., and Denny Hamlin have their spot uh, points in the spotlight. Uh, Bubba Wallace looked like he was definitely the guy to beat besides Martin Trex Jr. Made some contact with Austin Dillon there near the end of the race, which provided some pretty entertaining moments where you had Bubba Wallace just run into Austin Dillon at one point, even on the caution when Austin Dillon just put him into the wall. It was pretty blatant that he put him into the wall and have Bubba Wallace react. That's just something you want to see at short track races, especially like at Martinsville or Bristol. We expect that type of revenge, and you're definitely going to get it at a quarter mile track where it's even half the size of those tracks. So going a little off topic, I'm getting ahead of myself. I just want to focus on the drivers right now. It, it was a good run for Bubba Wallace. He just has to keep his emotions in check. That's one thing that Bubba Wallace really struggles on. We saw it mostly at the Las Vegas race. That was a pretty good sign on how much uh, his emotions get the best of him. You also saw it at the Charlotte Roval a couple years back. And we kind of saw it here once again. He, he, You could tell he just could not get over the fact they got taken out by Austin Dillon. Chevrolets were not the strongest cars, but if you had to give a team a shout-out that was the Chevrolets, uh, definitely credit to Alex Bowman and William Byron at one point in the race. But the best-performing Chevrolet team has to go to Richard Childress Racing. The number three of Austin Dillon and the number eight of Kyle Busch finishing second and third especially having Kyle Busch get taken out in the middle of the race by Joey Logano and for him to still come back and finish in the top three. A lot of people were very concerned with Kyle Busch on how his performance was going to be. Some people are thinking maybe he's going to get a lot of wins because that number eight car was really good last year and they think Kyle Busch jumping in there is just going to change the whole landscape of Richard Childress racing. Other people thought he was going to struggle. That That's what I thought. I thought the change on over, I didn't think he was going to be in a spot where he would miss the playoffs, but I didn't think he was going to be running uh, as a top performer, maybe more of a top 10 driver. That was obviously proven wrong after a great performance here in this race and at one point even led over to give Austin Dillon an opportunity to run for the front as he did not feel like he was as fast as Martin Truex Jr., I feel like this duo is going to do really good this year, especially seeing a racetrack where they have their emotions at their highest. You can get angry very easily, and they were still able to both, for the most part, keep their composure and get solid finishes. This should be exciting to see for the Daytona 500. We know Richard Childress Racing has great super speedway cars. It's going to be interesting to see what they can do on the mile and a half tracks. If we've seen both Austin Dillon and Kyle Busch do good at those types of racetracks. Road courses, you saw the number eight car do really good. It could actually actually be a really good season for Richard Childress Racing. I'm not going to jump to the moon and say they're championship contenders, but I feel like me just thinking that they were only going to be running the top 10 has already been blown out of the water. I, I feel like they could be potential winners of a couple races here for 2023. The racing was good. It was definitely a big highlight. I know a lot of people have been complaining about how the racing was. Guys, let's be honest here. It's a quarter mile racetrack. You cannot compare this to a mile and a half. You can't even compare this to Bristol or Martinsville. Why do we like short track racing? Because we like the bumping and banging. And what happens when you make it even shorter? It's even more bumping and banging. And it's an expedition race, so it's meant to have fun. 
And I don't know about you guys, looking at those drivers, looking at the fans in the stands, they had themselves a great time. Is there some bad moments in this race? Yes, we will talk about that in a second. With that being said, it was just a really fun race. And that's absolutely what we want out of an expedition race. We we don't want an absolute wreck fest like we used to get with the Daytona Clash. I saw some people say, bring back the Daytona Clash. No, that's a true wreck fest. Uh, I mean, it, when you, just go back and see who won the 2020 uh, Clash. You, you'll know why we think it's an absolute wreck fest, just how destroyed those cars were. This race, yes, even though there was a lot of spinning out going on, these cars were not absolutely destroyed. They were still competitive, and I like that with an expedition race. I think it's exactly what we're looking for. If they were to bring back another quarter mile racetrack, I would hope it would be another expedition race because even though these short tracks are fun, they're not designed for a points paying race. So I think we just need to keep it the way it is. There's still a little bit more modifications. We'll talk about that in a second. But overall, I'd say this race was exactly what NASCAR wanted and exactly what we need for an expedition race. So we've talked about the good. Now let's look at the bad in this race. Let, let's talk about the spin outs. So what a lot of people are complaining about is the fact on how many people were spinning out in the first three laps. I think it was just a lot of antsiness trying to get up to the front. They did make the expansion for 27 cars here in this main event. And I feel like that kind of played a little bit of a factor here in this race because once you tried to stick your nose in a certain spot, you had two other cars right above you and maybe even trying a car trying to get below you. And it was just pure chaos from 10th on back. And the problem with a track so condensed is they're going to be staying side by side in a track that should be only single file racing. And there was a lot of spin outs, which we, we expected. But my goodness, just the fact that the laps stopped. Every single caution was just absolutely frustrating. I think what NASCAR needs to look at here in the future is the fact that after so many cautions, I think we need to have the lap start counting. I'm not saying from the get-go. I, I don't think that's a good idea because at that point, after caution 5 through 10, we probably would have already been near halfway complete of the second half. And I think people would have been a little bummed out by that. I think after like, 10 cautions, laps start counting, and I don't think anyone's going to complain about that. I don't think the fans are going to feel like they got gypped because laps go by so fast at the quarter mile racetrack, and I don't think at the same time people are going to get that frustrated if they keep seeing cautions because at that point it's like, okay, now we're at caution 11. At least the laps are going to tick away. I think that's something they got to change. Another thing that was really rough was the fact that the race was ran under a Sunday night. Now, I like the idea of night racing. Don't get me wrong. Night racing is a great idea for this type of race. I, I think moving forward, if we're going to stay at the LA Clash, start making it a night race. Especially after being at that race last year, it was pretty damn hot. I was very thankful that it went into the shade, that I was on the side where shade was starting to hit really early. But Sunday night, oh, that is really, really tough, tough to attract fans. And I'm blessed to be on the West Coast, so I get to watch it when it end at around 8 o'clock or 7.30. But everyone on the East Coast, it's 10.30. It's 11 o'clock. It is bedtime for them. They got work the next day. I think we got to look at why other short tracks move their races to Friday nights and Saturday nights. It's because it's just a better time slot for night racing. So I think next year, definitely move it on over 
to Saturday night rather than Sunday night, and I think quite a few fans are going to agree upon that. Now to focus on some drivers who had some downs in this race. Uh, it's just not going to be the bad uh, parts of NASCAR's end or the racing in itself. One team that really struggled, and in fact, a whole technical alliance that struggled in this, was RFK Racing and Rick Rare Racing. These guys made the announcement that they were in a technical alliance here for 2023. Every single one of them missed the main event. Brad Keselowski, Chris Buescher, uh, Cody Ware, and J.J. Yaley all missed it, and it wasn't even close. I don't know what's going on with them. Maybe they're just focusing on the Daytona 500. They kind of did that last year. But we were expecting a step in the right direction, especially for Brad Keselowski. I remember in the last episode we had, a few of the guests that came on, and I think even myself, said Brad Keselowski should be a major improvement this year, and he wasn't. I'm not sure what's going on here, but those guys really struggled here in this race uh, to, to try to qualify in. They weren't even in the main event. And that's that's really a bad sign for the team. Hopefully, it, it, this doesn't spell doom for 2023. I really don't think it doesn't because, like I said, last year they did the same thing and they won both the duels in at Daytona. So I, maybe they're just not caring about this LA Clash. I don't know. It, it just looks bad for these guys. But other Fords that struggled, and this is just um, bad on both NASCAR and just unfortunate for the team, Todd Gillen and Michael McDowell out of this race due to fuel. I I couldn't believe it when I heard that, that the teams were not allowed to refuel after the last chance qualifier. And and this goes back to having caution laps count after so many cautions because this was a fear that happened to quite a few drivers and the ones that got hit the worst were unfortunately the drivers for Front Row Motorsports. Michael McDowell was out on lap number 137 and Todd Gillen was out on lap number 140. They wouldn't let them refuel. I don't understand that one at all. I mean, they're not going to get advantage refueling in in, in any shape or form. So why are we going to make that a strict rule? I I hope next year they think about that. It's like, okay, if you ran in the last chance qualifier and you're able to advance on through, you get to take in a certain amount of fuel. I don't think any of the drivers are going to complain about that because the last thing you want to see is people run out of fuel in a race that shouldn't even have to worry about fuel to begin with. At, at most, they got to worry about tires because they got a flat from bumping into each other. That, that is it. That should be the only issues. So to see two drivers just have some problems with fuel there near the end of the race, it, it just looks really bad. And then some other drivers who struggled, Chase Elliott, this is not his type of race. It, it really wasn't. Last year, he struggled. This year, he really struggled. I don't think Chase Elliott cares too much about this race. And and I guess that's fine. But man, I know there's a lot of Chase Elliott fans that show up to that race. I'm sorry. Next year, just just accept the fact that Chase Elliott is probably going to be running around 20th. Now we have looked at the good. We have looked at the bad. What was the ugliest moment here in this race? A lot of people could say the spin outs. But I got to say, the ugliest moment was actually the driver introductions. Probably one of the cringiest things I've seen in such a long time. The driver introductions was so bizarre, so awkward. Crickets could be heard in the background. Oh, If there's one thing to not watch from this event, do not watch the driver introductions. Because the announcer was trying to poke jazz, make some jokes. None of them were landing. And they were kind of making it more like team and sponsor setup rather than drivers themselves. And 
I don't know. It, it just didn't work. Uh, props to NASCAR for trying something new, but there are some things that work, some things that don't work, and things that just fall flat on their face. That is one of them, and that is probably the ugliest thing we saw here in this event. I, I'm pretty sure Chase Elliott's nose is probably the second ugliest thing we saw, but the first thing was definitely the driver introduction. Overall, as an expedition race, this was really good. I give it two thumbs up. It's exactly what you're looking for. If this was a points-paying race, I would give it an F. It would be a terrible points race. I want to get that point across. So hopefully you guys enjoyed it. Hopefully they come back to this and hopefully they've learned from this second go around. I think the biggest fixes you need to do, make it a Saturday night. Also start making caution laps count after so many cautions. And don't make the driver introductions the most unbearable thing that we've ever heard. That'll conclude today's episode, guys. Thank you so much for listening. A little bit of a faster episode. We're going to kind of expect that here from these final results takeaways. I don't think we're going to be making as long of episodes compared to that because we're going to be focusing on individual drivers. This one, we just got to take a few main points. And I felt like we touched on the biggest points here in this race. We saw craziness. We saw rivalries brew. We saw just chaos. And expecting that from the LA Clash, it was a lot of fun, and hopefully you guys enjoyed it. If not, let me know. You can reach out to me on social media. Uh, Best way to contact me during the races is on Twitter. I had a lot of fun tweeting uh, in this race and texting back a few friends there, especially the guests that we had on there. We have our own private chat. I might be opening up a Discord for people to jump onto. I'm not too sure about that. But if we do do that, I will let you guys know. But for now, if you want to reach out to me, Twitter's the best spot as I'm at VanillaWafers44. Don't expect anything intellectual on there from me tweeting stuff, but I will be more intellectual answering your questions if you do ask me something, okay? So so don't judge me on just my random tweets. Judge me on how I reply to stuff. How about that? And for other social medias, TikTok, I've been posting a lot of daily NASCAR videos there. A lot of randomness going on. Guess the NASCAR drivers. NASCAR therapy is back once again, and people are happier than ever. I'm glad people really enjoy that. And I also um, open some NASCAR cards from time to time. I'm right now on the 2017 packs. I'm pretty sure a lot of people are like, you've been doing that for months. I know. Mario Andretti is impossible to find, but I'm hoping to find it. If you want to watch those types of videos, you can find me there. I'm just at VanillaWafers44 once again, similar to Twitter. Just get rid of the S at the end. So again, at VanillaWafer44. And then on YouTube, I'm posting bigger NASCAR videos. New video going to be coming out here. Actually, I think today, if you're listening to this on Monday, as I will be talking about the rule changes for the 2023 season, and then hopefully I can put out two videos before the Daytona 500 talking about people who were not able to win the Daytona 500 and surprise winners of the Daytona 500. Going to try to be more consistent there on YouTube, but there I'm at Vanilla Wafers. Just look up Vanilla Wafers. You might see some cookies pop up, but you will eventually find me there. We're getting a lot of followings there. We're almost at 3,000 subscribers. Unbelievable how much gain we've had in not just the podcast, but on TikTok and YouTube. And I thank you guys so much for tuning in 
every single week, every single day. You guys are the reason why I keep making this content. It's so much fun, and I hope to see you guys throughout the 2023 season. So let's wrap things up there. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode. I have been your host, Vanilla Wafers. I've been able to take you to the front of the field, so why don't we grab that checkered flag, do some burnout, and head on out. So you all take care. This has been the Fantasy Filler Podcast. <laughs>